Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. In the quiet confines of a dimly lit room, where moonlight trickles through dusty curtains, a doll rests silently on a worn shelf. Its painted eyes seem to follow your every move, its porcelain face frozen in a perpetual smile that seems to twist to an eerie grimace in the faint light. It stands motionless, yet there's an unsettling energy emanating from it, as if it harbors secrets from another time. As you gaze upon it, a shiver runs down your spine, and you can't shake the feeling that this seemingly innocent plaything holds a darkness that goes far beyond its stitched smile and frayed edges. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing Robert the Doll, notorious for being cursed, haunted, and possibly possessed. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror. You can listen to a new episode every week as I take you to horrifying destinations, both real and mythical. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully the more monsters we can explore. You can now find Freaky Folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. It was shaping up to be another mild winter day in Key West. As the sun rose, casting a gentle glow over Minnie's garden, Minnie settled into her sunroom with a cup of tea, observing the dew-kissed leaves glistening in the morning light. Thoughts of her youngest son, Eugene, worried her this morning. He needed interaction with other kids his own age, but he was still too young for school. She had caught him talking to his invisible friends again yesterday. And even though her husband, who was a physician, said it was perfectly normal, it worried her. His older sister and brothers were away at school most of the day, and when they were home, they had their after-school studies, music lessons, and sports. 
there was little time left for them to interact adequately with Eugene. Their decision to hire a nanny over a year ago had provided some relief, yet many couldn't shake the feeling that Eugene's social development needed more than just adult interaction. The door to the sunroom opened quietly as her maid Mary brought in the morning newspaper and laid it on the table. She knew that Minnie loved to read with her tea. Thank you, Mary. Minnie responded to the kind yet routine gesture. She scooted her chair from the window closer to the table and spread the newspaper open. The nameplate read, The Key West Citizen, and the date was March 2, 1904. It was an election year, and many liked to keep up with the race. President Theodore Roosevelt was running against the Democratic nominee, Alton B. Parker. Minnie was fond of Roosevelt, while her husband Thomas said that Parker would bring needed change. They were a house divided, but the division was a respectfully peaceful one. It wasn't like Minnie could vote, but if she could, her vote would be for Roosevelt. Because he endorsed women's participation in democracy, he championed both women's rights and women's activism. The sunroom door opened again, not as gently this time. Minnie looked up as Thomas entered the room. Good morning. Is that today's paper? He asked. Minnie knew her morning reading was over until he had finished reading the paper from front to back, only after skipping to the political cartoons and reading them first. Yes, she answered as she handed him the paper. Have you seen Eugene this morning? He's usually down for his breakfast by now. I'm sure he'll be down any time now. He knows that his grandfather is back from Germany, and he promised to bring Eugene a gift from his trip. Thomas already had his nose buried deep in the paper. Minnie rose to leave, anxious to check on her young son. But Thomas reached out and gently stopped her by placing his hand on her arm. I have an appointment this morning. Bertha McIntyre's rheumatoid arthritis is bothering her again. Can you make sure that when my father arrives that he doesn't take off before I get to see him? Of course, Minnie replied. I'll have Mary prepare his favorite blueberry pastries and lemonade. That should keep him here for a while. She gave Thomas a wink before exiting the sunroom. The hallway from the sunroom led past the kitchen and to the bottom of the stairs, where she found Eugene, fully dressed and sitting moping on the bottom stair step. Well, good morning. Minnie greeted him in her grown-up voice. She believed baby talking to your children would only slow their development. What are you doing down here all by yourself? He wrapped his arms around his chest in an obvious sulk. Nanny said I can't have cookies for breakfast, but I hate eggs and toast. Why can't I have cookies? Because cookies in the morning will give you a tummy ache and stunt your growth, Minnie said seriously though the humor sparkled in her eyes. Come on, I bet Mary can find you something besides eggs and toast. Oh, and guess what? Grandpa is coming for a visit today. The latter part of her comment perked him right up. Yay! I love when Grandpa comes to visit. He's been gone a long time. Peanut butter and sliced banana on toast turned out to be Eugene's breakfast of choice. It was almost like cookies he proclaimed, more than once while eating. 
The rest of the morning was uneventful. Eugene spent his morning playing games with Nanny in the nursery, and Minnie worked on her embroidery, while Thomas met with the elderly Mrs. McIntyre. The doorbell rang promptly at noon, announcing that the eldest Mr. Otto had arrived for his visit. Minnie answered and welcomed her father-in-law into the house. He was carrying a rather large box with a big blue bow on it. Minnie shook her head in feigned disapproval, but she actually loved how he doted on Eugene. How was your trip, Dad? Wait, let me fetch Eugene and then you can tell us about it. Thomas is with one of his patients, but he wants to see you before you leave as well. If you'll excuse me, I'll have Mary bring you something to drink. Minnie left and then returned five minutes later with Eugene. Grandpa! He yelled as he launched his little body with arms outstretched into the elder man's lap. Eugene's grandfather laughed as he wrapped his arms around the boy in a loving embrace. Whoa, young man. This old man isn't as tough as he used to be. Grandpa, you're the strongest man I know. Next to Dad, that is. Eugene teased. Minnie could see why he would think that. Even in his early 70s, the man was still almost six foot tall and as fit as any 30-year-old. Is that for me, Grandpa? Eugene squealed as he finally caught sight of the gift propped against the hearth. Why, yes, Jean, but if you don't want it, I can take it back. He always addressed his grandson in the more grown-up, shorter version of his name. His full name was Robert Eugene Otto, but Eugene had stuck better than Robert when he was a baby. No, no, no! Grandpa, I love it! This sent the older man into a belly laugh. You haven't even opened it yet. How do you know that you love it? The boy didn't bother to reply. He was too busy ripping the bow and then the paper from his gift. As Eugene excitedly unwrapped the gift from his grandfather, he discovered a doll inside the box. However, this wasn't just any doll. It was nearly the same size as Eugene, with matching hair color and a charming light brown suit. The doll's tiny black beaded eyes gleamed as Eugene's eyes widened in amazement. Eugene gasped. Oh, Grandpa, I do love him. He is going to be my best friend. Little did he, or Grandpa, or his mother know that the doll would be much more than a best friend. The elder Mr. Otto stayed until Thomas finally finished his appointment and joined them in the parlor. At that point, it was time for Eugene's nap. Minnie took him by the hand and led him down the hall to his nanny, who was waiting at the bottom of the stairs. Look, nanny! He exclaimed as he held his new doll in front of him. Grandpa bought me a gift. Look at this handsome young fellow, Nanny remarked, extending her hand toward Eugene. And what might his name be? Um, he stopped and looked at the doll before answering. I'm going to call him Robert. He can have my first name. I don't use it anyway. Minnie could hear him talking his nanny's ear off until they reached the nursery door and closed it behind them. As Eugene happily chattered away with his nanny about his new doll, Minnie turned and headed to the sunroom, 
her mind still occupied by lingering concerns about Eugene's social development. She settled back into her chair, the morning newspaper lying forgotten on the table. Thomas and his father were engaged in a spirited conversation in the parlor, their voices carrying faintly down the hallway. Minnie listened absently, her thoughts drifting back to Eugene and his new doll, Robert. Suddenly, a loud crash echoed from overhead, the direction of the nursery, jolting Minnie out of her reverie. Alarmed, she rushed down the hallway and up the stairs. Her heart pounded with apprehension. As she reached the nursery door, she found it ajar, revealing a scene of chaos within. Toys were strewn across the floor. Nanny? Minnie called out, her voice tinged with concern. With growing unease, Minnie stepped into the nursery, her gaze sweeping the room for any sign of the nanny or Eugene. She heard a banging on the closet door, but as she stepped forward to open the closet, her eyes fell upon Robert, the doll, lying in the midst of the scattered toys. Something about the doll's expression seemed different, as if it were watching her with a smirk plastered to its lifeless face. The banging persisted, accompanied by the frantic cries of the nanny pleading for help. With a sense of urgency, Minnie hurried to the closet and swung it open, revealing the nanny trapped inside. Are you all right? Minnie inquired, her voice filled with genuine concern. Yes, I was just searching for a box of crayons when the door suddenly closed, the nanny explained, visibly flustered. Where's Eugene? Minnie asked. A sense of worry began to envelop her. I'm right here, Mommy. She jumped as she heard a small voice from across the room. Eugene stepped from behind the window curtain where he had been hiding. Eugene! She ran to him. What happened? I'm sorry, Mommy. Robert did it. I told him that we would get into trouble, but he wouldn't listen. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Way before the infamous tales of cursed Cabbage Patch dolls, Chucky, and Annabelle, a pervasive sense of unease surrounded a particular childhood staple, dolls. This apprehension finds its roots in valid reasons. As outlined by the Smithsonian Magazine, the evolution of dolls towards lifelike representations during the 19th century inadvertently led them into what is known as the Uncanny Valley, a psychological phenomenon where something closely resembling a human elicits discomfort. Dolls, with their eerily vacant gaze and humanoid features, squarely inhabit this unsettling territory. Furthermore, Dolls have become vessels for a multitude of cultural rituals and folklore, amplifying their mystique. Displayed in a case in the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida, is said to be the most haunted doll in the world, Robert. Although Robert, the 117-year-old doll, appears to be nothing more than a ragged, careworn doll, standing 41 inches, wearing a sailor suit, and holding a toy dog, covered in small marks that resemble scars, with small beady eyes and a permanent smirk on his face. Many believe that he is responsible for a series of most unfortunate events. Over the years, Robert has been blamed for causing divorces, disease, car accidents, and even deaths. If you have never heard of Robert the Doll, you may be wondering where this supposedly evil doll came from and why is his reputation so horrible. Robert the Doll's story started when Robert Eugene Otto, who went by Eugene or Jean, was four years old. As with many legends, there are many versions of the story of how Robert the Doll came to be. Robert Eugene Otto was born into a prominent Key West family who lived in a lavish home at 534 Eaton Street. The home was built by his father, Thomas Otto, in 1887, who, 40 years upon his death, left the house to his son, Eugene. Eugene, often called Jean, grew up a lovely child, with nannies and maids for company. Robert the doll was a gift that the lonely child became unusually attached to. The doll went everywhere with Eugene, becoming his closest friend. There are several stories about how Eugene received this almost life-size doll, one introduced deliberate intentions of malice towards the Otto family. This story describes the family's mistreatment of servants and maids. According to accounts, 
A maid who was allegedly practicing voodoo was discovered and promptly dismissed from her position. However, before her departure, she bestowed Robert upon Eugene. Unbeknownst to the family, the doll had been imbued with a curse through the very voodoo practices that led to the maid's dismissal, intended to instill fear and unease within the household. Another story is based on documents revealed by the Otto family. The documents reveal a couple, Emmeline and William Abbott, who were servants of the Ottos. Emmeline had been a nanny to young Eugene. In a 1924 legal notice published in the Miami News, it was revealed that Emmeline Abbott had filed a lawsuit against the estate of Dr. Thomas Otto, father of Jean, indicating a discordant relationship between Emmeline and the family. While the 1900 census does not list any children under Emmeline's care, Records from 1910 suggest that she had experienced the loss of a child in the preceding years. Details surrounding the child's demise remain elusive, though speculation abounds. Some theories propose that Emmeline brought her ailing child to Dr. Otto's residence, where the child ultimately passed away, potentially in Dr. Otto's office situated near the front of the house. Curiously, Robert the doll was present in the room during this tragic event, purportedly becoming a vessel for the child's spirit. Eugene Otto, far from being a child simply playing with a doll, was said to have possessed the ability to perceive spirits, thus allowing him to comfort his spectral friend. Throughout their lives, Eugene remained dedicated to his departed companion. Psychics have conjectured that Emmeline harbored resentment toward Dr. Otto, for his perceived failure to save her child, leading her to seek retribution with the aid of a local practitioner of voodoo. Together, they allegedly cast a spell that opened a conduit within the doll, enabling the entry of numerous vengeful spirits. The last story of note may be the most likely of them all. It has to do with Eugene's grandfather. Some say Eugene's grandfather, knowing how lonely the young boy was, gave it to him as a birthday gift upon his return from Germany in 1904. The evidence supporting this story is that the doll's creation can be traced back to the Steiff Company of Germany, although this still doesn't rule out the little girl who died or voodoo. As the story goes, Eugene became so enamored with the doll that he even named it after himself, Robert. Although appearing as an ordinary cloth doll, it didn't take long for Robert to become entangled in peculiar and somewhat unsettling occurrences. The initial indication that something extraordinary was afoot transpired one evening when young Jean awoke to find Robert the doll perched at the foot of his bed, fixatedly staring at him. Shortly thereafter, Jean's piercing screams and the commotion of furniture being overturned roused his mother from sleep. Frantically, Eugene pleaded for assistance, imploring his mother to come to his aid. After wrenching open the locked door, Jean's mother was greeted by the distressing sight of her son covering in terror on his bed, surrounded by the chaos of his disheveled room, with Robert the doll ominously positioned nearby. Robert did it, were the only words Jean could get out. The same words he would later use many times throughout his childhood when something strange, mysterious, or destructive would happen. 
The precise reasons or mechanisms behind this innocent children's toys, ability to cause chaos within a child's bedroom, or exhibit any form of activity remain shrouded in mystery. After all, it was merely a plaything, wasn't it? Yet the strange and inexplicable occurrences did not cease with that singular incident. Eugene's parents frequently overheard their son conversing with the doll upstairs, only to receive responses in entirely different voices. They recounted instances of witnessing the doll appearing to speak and undergoing changes in its expression. Additionally, there were reports of giggling emanating from the doll and sightings of Robert darting up the stairs or peering out of the upstairs window. Robert remained in Eugene's company throughout his entire life. Following the passing of Jean's parents, he returned to their residence with his wife Anne, recognizing the doll's need for a dedicated space. Jean allocated him a room upstairs with a window overlooking the street. Despite the seemingly harmless nature of the doll, Anne harbored an unsettling feeling about Robert's presence in the house. Though she couldn't quite pinpoint the source of her discomfort, she urged Eugene to confine the doll to the attic, where he could pose no threat. Reluctantly, Eugene complied with Anne's request. However, it became evident that Robert was displeased with his new confinement. Before long, visitors to the house began reporting strange occurrences, including footsteps and the sound of pacing emanating from the attic, accompanied by eerie giggling. Additionally, Local children claimed to have witnessed Robert observing them from the upstairs bedroom window, even recounting instances of the doll mocking them as they made their way to school. Alarmed by these reports, Eugene decided to investigate, fully aware that he had securely locked Robert in the attic. To his astonishment, upon opening the door to the upstairs bedroom, he found Robert seated in a rocking chair by the window. Despite repeated attempts to confine Robert to the attic, Eugene was perplexed to discover the doll repeatedly reappearing in the same upstairs bedroom, seated by the window as if nothing had occurred. Jean Otto passed away in 1974, and when a new family moved into the house on Eaton Street, their 10-year-old daughter was thrilled to discover Robert the doll in the attic. However, her excitement quickly turned to fear, as she claimed that Robert was alive and menacing her. She frequently woke up in the middle of the night, terrified, and insisted that Robert had moved around the room. Before long, Robert the doll was given away, and he now resides in the East Martello Fort, where visitors from around the globe flock to see him. Many speculate about whether Robert is truly possessed. Some attribute his malevolence to the servant who initially gifted him to Eugene Otto, alleging that she cursed the doll with voodoo and black magic as retribution for mistreatment by Eugene's parents. This theory might explain the numerous eerie encounters people have had with Robert the doll. However, the question remains, why does the haunting persist even after the owners have passed away? The answer remains elusive. Nevertheless, one thing remains consistent. Robert the doll continues to unsettle and terrify those who come into contact with him especially museum guests who attempt to photograph him. Numerous individuals have reported their cameras malfunctioning when trying to capture Robert's image, only to resume normal function once they have left the museum. 
Despite being encased in glass, Robert's ability to evoke fear and discomfort persists. Museum staff have observed his facial expression changing, heard sinister giggling, and even witnessed Robert pressing his hand against the glass. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I know you think I'm going crazy, Thomas, but I really did hear it. It sounded like there was someone else in the room with him. Minnie pleaded with her husband to believe her as she sat on the examination table in his office. Well, your heart rate is a little high. And you've been pretty pale lately. Minnie, I just think you're under too much stress. He tried to console his wife, who was obviously upset. What she was claiming was impossible. No, you're not listening. Since the day he got that doll, crazy things have been happening. Like Eugene's room being torn apart in a matter of seconds. There's no way a four-year-old could do that, she pleaded. I'm not saying I don't believe you. I'm just saying that there has to be a plausible explanation. Thomas's attempts to reassure her were just getting under her skin. Minnie inhaled deeply. Maybe he was right, she thought. Maybe it was because she was having trouble sleeping lately. Maybe she needed more exercise. Why don't you take an aspirin and lay down for a bit? He suggested. When you wake up, you may see things differently and feel much better. He turned to the cabinets where he kept the medicine locked up and retrieved a bottle of aspirin and then filled a glass with water. Here you go. Come back and see me after a nice long nap. Minnie hated it when he used his doctor's voice with her. Don't talk to me like I'm one of your patients. She complained as she took the pill and glass from him. As Minnie left her husband's office, she resigned herself to try to discover the logical reasons she may be hearing a strange voice coming from Eugene's room at night. Otherwise, she was left with reasons that were too disturbing to even think about. On her way to the bedroom, she passed the nursery, where she could hear Eugene reciting his ABCs for the nanny. The sound gave her some relief, to know that at least he wasn't alone in there with that doll. As Minnie laid down on her bed, she tried to think of ways to get the doll away from Eugene, if not for him, then for her own peace of mind. The last thing she remembered thinking before falling asleep was that sleep was going to be impossible. Sometime later, Minnie awoke to a foreign sound in the room. She could tell that it was afternoon because the sun was no longer shining through the east-facing bedroom window. The later hour cast the room in dark, eerie shadows. Minnie sat up in bed trying to decipher where the noise had come from. She hoped there wasn't a mouse in the house again. She hated mice. She was startled when there was a light pitter-patter from the darkest side of the room. She strained to see as her eyes adjusted 
But there in the corner, sitting in her grandmother's old wooden rocking chair, was Robert, Eugene's doll. Had Eugene been in her room while she was sleeping? She couldn't help the goosebumps that popped up on her skin as she shivered. The doll was wearing the little sailor suit that had once been Eugene's. She had offered it to him when he had accidentally stained Robert's suit during breakfast the morning before. After reaching over and turning on the lamp that sat on the nightstand, she stood and grabbed the doll by the arm. She really had come to hate that stupid thing. It just made her have an uneasy feeling in the pit of her stomach. With the doll dangling haphazardly from her hand, she left her room and went to the nursery, where Eugene was in the floor with the nanny playing with blocks. The door opening quickly, without a knock for warning, had startled them both, sending the delicate alphabet tower tumbling to the floor. Mom! Eugene whined. Look what you did! It took forever to build this! He then noticed Robert dangling from her hand. Why do you have Robert? He asked curiously with a raised brow. You know he doesn't like it when you hold him that way. You're going to make him mad. I don't care if he gets mad, Eugene. He's just a doll, she said while trying to control her temper. And don't be going into our bedroom without permission. She fought the urge to fling the doll onto the floor but instead walked over and gently handed it to her son, then turned to leave. Eugene's words as he spoke to the doll stopped her dead in her tracks. I'm sorry, Robert. She didn't mean it. Minnie spent the rest of her day trying to occupy her mind with more productive things. She was supposed to host the next tea party for her women's suffrage group, so she set about making a list of things that needed picked up from the market. Once she had the list complete, she went to the library and browsed through the books until she found one that piqued her interest. The book was enough to keep her thoughts off Eugene and the doll until supper time that evening. The evening meal was the only time of the day when the entire family were in the same room. Her three older children were finished with lessons and practice by that time. Minnie was glad that she had chosen such a late hour for their last meal of the day. She looked around the table lovingly at her four children. Thomas Jr. was getting so tall. He had just turned 13 last month. Soon he would be a strapping young man. Joseph was 11 and obsessed with reading every chance he could get. She smiled to herself as she noticed the tip of a book that he was hiding beneath the tablecloth. Mitzvah was 8, going on 18. She was the life of the family going on and on about her friends at school. Her gaze finally settled on Eugene, where it lingered as lines formed across her forehead. He had insisted on having a chair for Robert the doll right next to him. Minnie looked at the doll, and dear God, it looked like it was looking right back at her, with that familiar menacing smirk on its face boring into her soul. Eugene, do you really have to have that doll with you at all times? It can be quite distracting, she complained. Yes, Mama. Robert gets lonely without me, and when he's lonely, he gets into trouble. He explained, acting exasperated 
as if she should understand this. The strange thing is that many actually believed him. His words only confirmed her feelings that these weren't the fabrications of a child's active imagination. What kind of trouble might Robert get into, and just how far would this menacing-looking doll go before hurting her son? Minnie kept quiet through the rest of the meal, letting Thomas carry on the conversations with their children. When the meal was finished, they were each excused to their rooms. She struggled to find a way to get rid of that doll, but she couldn't do it without some evidence, or maybe, maybe she could make it as if though it were an accident. Suddenly, she had what she thought was a brilliant idea. The next morning when the nanny arrived, she took her aside before she went to Eugene. I need you to do something for me, she began. I want you to take Eugene to the park and make sure he takes his doll. When it's time to leave, find a way to make that doll disappear. Accidentally leave it or something. The nanny looked at her with what appeared to be an unspoken understanding, and her only reply was, Yes, ma'am. That afternoon, Minnie watched from the parlor window as the nanny left with Eugene, who had Robert tucked firmly in the crook of his arm. She felt apprehension, knowing that the task wouldn't be simple for the nanny to complete, considering Eugene was so obsessed with the doll. But she was hopeful. She sat in the parlor while they were away, with her yarn and crochet needle in hand, and watched the minutes tick by on the grandfather clock. She jumped to her feet when a couple of hours later she heard the front door open. She could hear Eugene whimpering and sniffling. Although she felt bad and somewhat guilty, she hoped this was a good sign. Minnie met them as Nanny was hanging up their coats. She took in Eugene's cheeks, red and wet with tears, and his puffy eyes, before she began her act of showing concern. Whatever is the matter, sweetheart? She asked as she kneeled down in front of him. I... I left Robert at the park. He managed between hiccups. We went back to get him, but he was gone. He burst into tears and then ran into his mother's outstretched arms. Minnie peered up at the nanny over her crying son's shoulder and mouthed the words, Thank you. The nanny nodded, and no more was said about it. Eugene was so distraught over the loss of his beloved doll that he was prone to bouts of crying the rest of the day. Minnie wondered more than once if she had done the right thing, but it was too late now. The doll was gone. As she tucked Eugene in that night, she made a mental note to herself to take him shopping for a new doll. Once she had watched him finally drift off to sleep, she tiptoed from the room and gently closed the door. She thought about the book that she had started and remembered that she had left it in the sunroom. Wanting to read it in bed, she headed downstairs to retrieve it when she heard the front door open and then slam shut. Who could that be this late at night? Thomas and the children were in bed, and the servants had gone home for the day. Had someone left the front door ajar? Minnie hurried down the stairs at first, then thought to be more cautious in case it was an intruder. But as she reached the bottom of the stairs, 
Her heart seemed to stop beating at the sight before her. Lying on the bottom stair step was Robert the doll. His small face was staring up at her with that horrible, menacing look. How was this possible? Had Nanny felt bad and brought the doll back? If she had, Minnie would definitely have words with her tomorrow. But Minnie knew deep down, even though she didn't know how, the doll had somehow come back on its own. She took the last steps down closer to the doll and hesitated for a moment before stooping down and picking it up. She carried it up the stairs, holding it by the collar like it was covered in some filth that would not wash off. Minnie didn't stop at Eugene's room. She didn't stop at her own room. She walked carrying the doll like it was tainted by the Black Death itself until she reached the landing that turned to the stairs that headed to the attic. Ascending the stairs with cautious steps, the only audible sound, the faint creak of aged floorboards beneath her weight, she stole a glance down at the doll dangling from her hand, half expecting its gaze to meet hers with defiance, prepared to resist its captor. She found instead a lifeless figure draped in a sailor's suit, its expression devoid of animation. As she ascended to the attic, darkness enveloped her, accompanied by the musty scent of dust and age that permeated the air. With cautious steps, she traversed the space, clutching the doll tightly in her hand. Making her way to the far corner, she sought out an old wooden chest, situated away from the entrance. Once a repository for the children's toys and trinkets, it now stood emptied, its contents having been donated to the church for those less fortunate. She bent down and unlatched the worn chest, releasing a flurry of dust particles that danced in the moonbeam's glow, filtering through the attic window. With resolute determination, she dropped the doll inside, swiftly closing the lid and securing it with a firm latch. Before leaving the attic, she ensured the door was firmly locked. Returning to her bedroom, the gentle sound of Thomas's snoring filled the air. Shedding her robe, she slipped beneath the covers beside her sleeping husband. A sense of tranquility washed over her. But as she drifted into sleep, a faint noise reached her ears. The soft patter of tiny footsteps echoing from the attic above. Straining her senses, she could have sworn she heard the faint rattle of the doorknob. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram 
for information on future episodes. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.